Welcome to this Quantum Conversation. I'm Loren Gailey. Richard Gordon is the founder of Quantum Touch. He is on a mission to get this powerful healing technique out to the world. It's a hands-on confirmation, validation, and proof positive on the power of love and intention and the relationship between consciousness and matter. Here's my interview with Richard Gordon. My guest needs no introduction to this audience. He is the Galileo of energy healing in our time. Richard Gordon is here with us. He is the founder of Quantum Touch, and we are here to talk about his new book, The Secret Nature of Matter, and this is really the convergence of consciousness and matter. Richard, I am honored to welcome you here to Quantum Conversations. Thank you for being here. Oh, Lauren, what a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. I've never been called that before. It's uh, it's humbling. <laughs> Indeed, it is the Galileo. You know, in your book, you refer to Galileo yeah. and this work. You know, he, he really changed the paradigm. And that's what your work does. Quantum touch is the divine intelligence that you've tapped into and you allow this invisibleness to become visible. And I love it because this is really science now and you've done the experience, the experiments and it's working. It's great. It's happening. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm looking for a director and a producer to make a documentary called the Galileo project. And the idea is what would you do if you, you knew something, if you had visible, teachable, paradigm-changing information, where would you go? Who could you talk to? And would they listen? So if they stick around and watch me demonstrate and learn to do it themselves, what we're going to talk about, these, quote, new human abilities, then it progresses the plot. And if they walk away and say something stupid like, well, it isn't true because it can't be true, then it adds to the humor of the piece. So either way, I just need a good producer who can help me get the scenes together and a good director who can organize it and make it appear really good because we've, I've got the goods right now. But it's a matter of being able to present it and show the world because it's kind of hard to get visibility when everybody's vying for attention. And everybody's showing pictures of themselves on Facebook and everybody wants some attention. And if you actually know something mind-blowing, it's a little difficult to get the floor. Well, keep up the good work. And I know that just the call here to uh, find a producer or a director, let's put that out there and hopefully you will find it. Uh, if I can do anything to help in the future as well, let's uh, talk. But it's an exciting time because you know, again, this is the truth coming out from your experience. You're, you've done 58 experiments on this. Yeah. And it really, for what it does in the metaphysical world, the healers all now can quantify this and we can validate it. And that is what's magnificent because that, as you said, the skeptics are the first to say, well, it can't be repeated. But in your experiments, you've repeated it over and over and over again. So let's talk about this because it is conscious entanglement 
Talk about that and the concept yeah. of that. It's, it's one of those things you can't actually talk about without giving a little background. Yes. Now, let's just create the background. I've been involved in energy healing for over 40 years. I've got four books that are in 17 languages. We have certified practitioners that work in over 50 countries. And 99% of the people are excited because this work rapidly reduces pain, brings down inflammation, and accelerates the body's own healing mechanism. That's what people care about. Now, let's go into the esoteric of it. Back in 1978, an old man making outlandish claims, and I didn't believe anything he said, said that he could dissolve tumors and heal broken bones quickly and all kinds of crazy stuff. But but then he said, oh, yeah, I just touch people and the bones move back into alignment. And I thought, come on, this is all crazy talk. But he demonstrated on my girlfriend who had a major scoliosis and her hip went like that and her cranial bones right in the back here went like that. And I was blown away, but I learned to do it myself. I have evolved the system. I've taught thousands of people myself, and we have hundreds of teachers around the world teaching workshops. That's some background. Then about 10 years ago, I discovered that I could do it in a few seconds without touching, that I could align both the hips and the cranial bones in a few seconds without touching, and it would be permanent. Then I didn't figure that all out myself. I figured out how to align things quickly, and one of my students showed me that if you meditate on a bone called the sphenoid behind the nose and eyes, then they both align and they stay aligned. So that was a prelude. Now, in order to do an a really strong empirical experiment. You need to have something that you can get an absolute yes or no answer on. You need to get the, an answer relatively quickly, and it needs to be robust and be repeatable better than 99% of the time if you want something that's very easy to document, and that's what I had. It was uh, Thanksgiving dinner two years ago, well, a little more than two years now, and my friend Daniel said, you know, I found out if you make a movie of yourself doing a healing session, people watching the movie will get healing. I go, come on, Daniel, that's really hard for me to believe. He said, test it. So how do I test it? Well, I test it by meditating on the sphenoid bone when I'm making a video and showing people the video and seeing if it aligned them. Because if the hips are out like this, it takes me about one and a half seconds to get it's out of alignment or it's in alignment. I could just push down where I'm touching the bone. It feels like you're touching wood or where it stops. And then it's yes or no. You get your eyes level with your fingers and you can see clearly if they're uneven or if they're even. That's as simple as that. So that was my basic test. And I ran some experiments. And one day I was sitting in a coffee shop and I had this, I, I had a golf tee in my pocket. And I thought, well, what would happen if I run energy into the golf tee with the intention of aligning people? It's a crazy idea, but what the heck? So I did it, and I handed it to somebody, and it caused the alignment immediately. Now, this alignment is considered physiologically impossible while a person is standing. The cranial bones do not spontaneously align themselves. In fact, Gray's Anatomy, the famous textbook, not the TV show, says that the bones are fused when you're an adult and they can't move. And chiropractors put a person on their side, they push them in two directions to create that crunch and that temporary alignment. 
but it usually only lasts for a few days before it has to be done again. But this is a permanent alignment. So 10 years ago, I found out I could do it by sending heart chakra energy using my basic techniques, but focusing on the heart in order to do it. Then I found out I could do it by putting consciousness into an object and then handing somebody the object. And then I think it was like experiment 37 or 38. I, I was seeing anomalies that weren't making sense to me in some of my other experiments. And I wanted to test out why sometimes the energy seemed to be spreading from one object to another. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. So I laid out 12 pennies on a table about three or four inches apart. And a woman had her back to the table because I didn't want her to see what I was doing. And she, she was, um, oh, by the way, this is Debbie. She's a sweetheart. She likes me on the calls. Well, she's feeling your energy. You are a conduit. Well, I hate to tell you this, but I'm her man. So anyway. <laughs> Anyway, so I've laid out 12 pennies on the table behind her, about three or four inches apart. And then I meditated on penny number one, which was right behind her. And I measured her again to make sure that I hadn't accidentally aligned her when I was meditating. And then I handed her penny number 12, which was like four feet away. And she was instantly aligned, and I got very upset. I go, no, it's not supposed to work this way. Why is it doing this? So I had, I first thought that maybe the energy was spreading the way fire spreads, you know, with gasoline or something. And I thought, well, that doesn't make any sense. Because if that were true, the table would be charged, the walls, the floors, the windows, everybody in the coffee shop and everybody on the planet. That didn't happen. So I came up with a new theory. And the theory was, a hypothesis of conscious entanglement. Maybe because I had these 12 pennies I had brought with me for this very purpose and I had the, the 12 pennies there, maybe I had joined them together. So I did an, an experiment the very next day. And this experiment involved two women that I met at a conference and they both had a very obvious pelvic torsion. And in that pelvic torsion, they... Uh, handed me their change. So I just looked at the coins and said, I see pennies, nickels, dimes, quarters. I see all the coins in my hand. They're all here. I see them all. And I put the coins on a table and handed each of the women one of the coins at random. And then I reached in my pocket and pulled out an object, a little coin that I had already meditated on previously. And I just tapped one of the coins on the table and both women were immediately aligned. And that was because when I joined the coins together in my mind, I created an entanglement. And that means that anything you do to any one of them happens to them all. So that's that's the, almost as fast as I can get to conscious entanglement because it just doesn't happen. It's like there's too many steps. Right. Well, that is conscious entanglement. And, and we'll talk a little bit deeper about that because that is so fabulous. And think of the power that that has. Not only can we encode audio and video programs with energy, energy healing, healing, 
but you're able to do it to multiple objects. And that's really the call that you're putting out to the world is for all of us to learn this information, see this new paradigm that you've brought forth, and to do our own experiments with it. And so it's intention. We know in sound healing, intention is huge. It's it's a totally. major component of it. You couldn't but do sound healing without intention. Wouldn't. No, it wouldn't work. Sound healing does not work without the intention. That's right. And that's toning. And we can talk a little bit about toning in a bit because that's a very healing thing. But you were talking about meditating. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about this entanglement because in the experience, experiments that you did before leading up to this 38, that was a groundbreaking one for you, you did have the pennies touch, right? I did, I did every kind of variation. Let's start mm -hmm. at the basics. Yes. I found that all matter is able to hold energy and intention equally. Uh, plastic, rubber, paper, uh, pebbles, you name it. Anything. Anything. All matter. And so that leads me to one of my early conclusions, which is, or ideas, is that all matter is made of God stuff. Everything is made of God stuff. This is a very highly technical term, by the way. But this, this God stuff, it's all spirituality. It's all consciousness. Everything is God. And God stuff is made of intelligence and, and, and all, all matter holding that potential of holding any consciousness. And then I found it was almost impossible to get a program out of an object. I tried the traditional means, sage, salt, salt water, burying it. Uh, that didn't do anything to remove the program from an object. So if I had a, a penny and I meditated on it and I touched people with it, it would immediately align people. By the way, coins were fun because I could always get new ones at any moment and that I know I hadn't meditated on and I hadn't had any influence on. So I like to use coins and other people had coins. So it was a very simple th thing to do. But then I found out that how do you remove this information? I took a like a washer and... I put the energy intention into it and I baked it in the oven. Nothing. <laughs> it wouldn't remove the energy. I boiled it in water. Nothing. Boiled water still held the energy information, but the water that evaporated had lost the energy, had lost the information and was not working. I took a hammer and smashed the washer to smithereens and it still worked. The energy information was still in the washer, but water that turns to ice still held, no, lost the information, but ice that turned to water still held the information. I don't make up these rules. I'm just reporting it. I can't explain it, why it's that fascinating. happened. fascinating, yes. Yeah, it was absolutely fascinating that that had happened. And uh, it was great to see that work, and yet it opens up so many more questions for us to understand. And it still talks about the physics as we know it. And one of the things I know many of us, when we were taught about energy in high school physics and science, that energy never goes away. It just transforms or transmutes or shifts. Yes, it, it can change state. Changing but. state. And that's when 
if it changes state, well, not across the board, because like you said, if ICE has it, if ICE has the program and it melts, it still carries that memory. But if you have water that is frozen, then it won't carry that memory. Yeah, that's that's one experiment I only did one time. So I'm pretty sure that was, it worked that one time, but I didn't repeat that one. I, I repeated most of my experiments many times. Uh-huh. I always like to be clear, you know, if I'm not absolutely certain of something, but it worked. The water, and what I did was, and I, I, uh, have an ice cube and I'd want to see if it melted. I took the ice cube and put it in like another container because I didn't want the container to be charged. And I was trying to take all these precautions so I wasn't messing up any of the experiments. But I've had dozens of people tell me that they've read my book and they know quantum touch and they know how to measure people. And they uh, repeated most of the experiments in the book and they've gotten the same results that I've gotten. So it is so remarkable. It really is fascinating and it couldn't be more exciting. And it really does validate the distance healing work. Quantum physics validates it. There's many experiments that we can talk about that gets technical, but it does uh, validate the work of healers and what is actually going on. I know the word healer, it's not as if the person is the healer. It is the person who is the conduit for this divine intelligence. It is light. And is it's photon. How would you describe this energy? It is. Right. This is this is very good point. Actually, you brought up two really interesting points. First, I like to say the definition of a healer is someone who is sick and got well. All healing is ultimately self-healing. A great healer is someone very sick who got well quickly. Because how do you heal a paper cut? Well, let me see. I have to. How do I get hold of the cell? You you don't figure it out. It's it's a spontaneous thing where our biological and spiritual intelligence goes to work to do healing. We're working with the life force energy that's been known as chi, ki, or prana. The physicists don't believe it exists. They have other names for it, like wu, placebo, bogus, nonsense, and so forth. They don't believe it. It is not photons. It is not electromagnetic. This is where the spiritual materialists want to say, that, oh, it's all electromagnetic or it's photons or it's this or that. And it isn't. It is a spiritual energy that cannot be measured on the physical plane any more than you can have a love meter or a compassion or a gratitude meter. It is a spiritual experience that we're having inside ourselves. The people who want to say that all consciousness is an epiphenomenon of brain activity are diluted because when you do any distant healing whatsoever, and it's very easy to show just by doing my simplest tests show that the mind is not confined to the brain. Well, if the mind is not confined to the brain, does the death of the brain necessarily mean the death of the mind? No, not at all. So there's about 20, 25 implications of this work that suggests that we're living in a spiritual reality. And it's hard for people to understand or cognate this this idea that it isn't all just material, just material stuff. You couldn't get a rock and turn it into a microwave transmitter. It's just not made for that thing. 
the energies of becoming a radio or something, you just, a rock isn't going to be a radio. And there are energies that are coming into us all the time that aren't physical, but our spiritual physical mechanism can translate and utilize that. And when we're sending our energy, we're not sending a physical energy. People want to say it's electromagnetic, but electromagnetics falls off inversely proportional to the square of the distance of the source. In other words, if you're seven feet away, there's half as much energy as if you were five feet away. Five times five, 25, seven, seven, 49. So it'd be half as much. So if, if our heart energy is like heart math likes to talk about electromagnetic, it's just something they can measure. Well, you know, if you stand seven feet away from me, only feel your love 50% as if you're standing five feet away from me. That's silly. Doesn't matter how far you are away. You could be on the other side of the world or the galaxy and I could still feel the love because it's instantaneous. We are these spiritual beings wearing this physical uh, meat suit. <laughs> and even the meat suit isn't a meat suit. We are 99.9999999999% empty space. Yeah. So if they took Mount Everest and put it into a black hole, it would be compressed to the size of a grain of sand. But I believe that you and I are 99.9999999% spiritual being. And the little tiny bit that appears physical is our meat suit that we're wearing, that we identify with 99.999% of the time, unless you're living a life where you're more identified with your spirituality. So there's a lot of spiritual materialism that goes around in the community thinking that our modern physics even begins to explain uh, the spiritual nature of reality, and it doesn't. Because they don't even believe consciousness. They don't even have consciousness in their quantum theories. They don't. No. Einstein was getting close, and he, he, he knew that. But, no. um, yeah. I don't know. You know, in our world, let's talk a little bit about this, because in this world that we see, you were just explaining also how we are multidimensional, and that helps define what that really means for us. It's all this energy that is around us that is out there, right? What is it? 96% isn't even registered in this realm, like you said. And that is in our spiritual community when we recognize that there are beings on other dimensions that actually hold space and vision. And it's this principle that you're talking about, right? The consciousness the focus of life force energy, and that is actually creating matter. And the Aborigines knew this as they walked the earth and dreamt it alive. So with this, in our world today, I'd like you to comment because many are like, wow, it's really getting hectic. What's going on with ascension? Um, it actually must get spiritual. And we may even upgrade that word or change that word from spiritual to consciousness, higher consciousness, expanding consciousness. I don't really feel the need to change the word because, but I do think that our it, higher consciousness. Take away any is, religious connotations. Yeah, well, the, I, I really draw a very strong distinction between religion and spirituality. Not that the two have some overlap. 
for some right. people. Um, I like what Michael Beckwith said about it. He said, religion is what it says in a book and spirituality is your personal experience. So if it says something in a book about who begat who, it's all very interesting or not very interesting. But what you feel, that's really interesting. What you're able to access in terms of deeper experiences. Imagine that you felt love a thousand times greater than you could ever imagine feeling love. Imagine being so overwhelmed by feelings of connectedness and, and love that all words that could potentially be used to describe it feel hollow, empty, like trying to draw fireworks with a gray crayon on an old piece of cardboard. It doesn't even begin to express what's there. To me, that's what the, the depth of spiritual experiences are and can be. It's that completely overwhelming connection to source and love. And all intellectualization is, is so hollow and flat relative to the real experiences. And people will debate and articulate and be erudite and all. It's horseshit. The real experience is being floored, overwhelmed by that connection to source. And knowing that your receiver of infinite connection is like a shot glass to Niagara Falls. You can't begin to let that much into this physical form because what's there is like a zillion times bigger and more than we can hold. That's why I have so much trouble with codified religion as if we're going to be happy after we're dead or I don't know. It, it just seems so crazy to me that it's not all about having the direct experience and, and living impeccably the life that we could potentially lead. Now that to me, that's all spiritual stuff, but to, to follow rules and feel guilty and shameful because God wants me to be, that's, that's just crazy talk as far as I'm concerned. So anyway, I don't have a lot of room for religion in my space, but I have a lot of room. In fact, there's endless room for the spiritual. And it must get spiritual. This is the missing link in today's outer world. And we know more and more people are waking up to this. They're seeing the old 3D matrix paradigm. We're seeing it change. But this is really where it gets spiritual, for one. And that's, again, that personal experience and truth. Yeah, it has to be. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of people throwing rules at, and, and shame and guilt at each other mm -hmm. or, or feeling better than other people or less than. This is not spiritual. Spiritual is you can you can actually look at spirituality. How much love, gratitude are you experiencing? And the mark of spiritual growth, the metric of spiritual growth is how much ease are you experiencing in your life? That is the measure of how much growth you're having is, am I becoming easier? Is life becoming easier? Is everything flowing? Or am I walking through mud and, and struggling? And just... anyway, so that's, that's how I perceive it. 
Yes, well, I know many listening to this program have reported no more triggers, not being triggered at all. And that's like really powerful. Okay. Uh, I want to make a mention that Quantum Touch, we had a healing conversation a few years ago, and we're going to have that on the back end of this interview because that just shares some beautiful stories of Oh, yeah. You know, healing. And actually, the producer of this show, Heidi, is a quantum touch practitioner. And I've got a personal experience with the, a knee. I got off a plane in Hawaii and I, something twisted and it snapped. And I really thought my vacation was ruined. But we did two sessions and it was totally resolved. So they don't, you know, we don't even have a clue what the limits of this are. There, there's so much to do, but I wanted to, I just remembered that I hadn't mentioned when we talked about conscious entanglement. Mm-hmm. Um, once I knew that that was true, I created an object that I wanted to entangle okay. and that's a pendant. And oh, like yeah. I'm wearing one now. Yeah, that's this, cool. This is an entangled object. What I did was I, Order, I had them designed. I thought they were really pretty. And I thought, okay, I would wear this. And so I had them made. And then I grouped them all together in my mind. And I ran my best healing energy into it. And I also put in the information of aligning people into it. And then I sent one out to my top 50 instructors around the world and told them to add their own best healing energy into it. And they did. And before we realized that we'd sold the first thousand, because their students and friends all wanted to have one. And then we, every time I get another thousand in, I join them all together. I join them to all previous generations of pendants. And so I didn't even know what these things were. I'm still learning what they are, by the way. I was at a retreat in Cancun, Mexico. And uh, one guy was telling me on the very last night of the retreat, he said, you know, I haven't been able to breathe through my right sinus since I was a teenager because I used to love to get into fights. I, I was a jerk. So he, I, I pull out two pendants and I say, hold them on both sides of your nose. And he holds them there. Five minutes later, he says he can breathe through his right sinus. Then a couple of women watching this one says, I have TMJ pain. So I say, well, hold it up against the TMJ. And she does. And the the pain is gone in five minutes. And that happened again with another woman and a third woman with some other kind of pain. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I didn't even know what this thing was. But now we're we're getting stories of people who don't even know quantum touch who are starting to see some amazing healing. One woman took her pendant and she ran it over the cat's back and tail just a number of times. And an adult cat's bent tail straightened out. Oh, see, this is amazing. And, and the group, okay, let's talk a little bit more about that because it's a, it's now we're creating healing instruments, really. Yes. And what that is, it's you are taking life force energy, focusing mm-hmm. it with consciousness. Yes. Meaning you go into meditation. Can you give us an example? And we know that we can program crystals. Yes. And when we want to deprogram crystals, we run them in water or put them in moonlight. Yes. Maybe that's a separate property for crystals that we can talk about. But this is focused life force energy 
that is activated by the meditation and it's there pretty permanently. Yes. I, I tried all the ways of erasing energy. I couldn't do it. And so. Except in a phase shift. Except in except that. Except the phase shift. Yeah. There's one thing. So as far as I know, this may be the first group charged talisman in the world. So people have been putting consciousness in objects for thousands of years and calling them talisman. But, or voodoo. Or voodoo or whatever, but it's a talisman of some kind. It's an energy charge. Well, you know, even the, the Catholics have their, their holy relics. Mm-hmm. You know, the finger bone of Saint whoever. They've got these holy relics that everybody worships and said, oh, this is the, this is the holy relic. It's a physical thing that you can hold on to. Um, I could have made these pendants out of old cigarette butts encased in plastic for all that mattered. Yeah. <laughs> they could have been, you know, cockroaches in plastic, but I didn't mm. think people wanted to wear them. Uh, you know, the cockroaches. But um, the thing is, is now we have thousands of people. So this thing actually becomes stronger every day. Amplified by that group energy. Every day. A thousandfold. Well, I don't know about that, but every day there are dozens or a hundred or more people who are adding to the collective. And now I have people adding in their special gifts, skills, talents, and peak experiences into this. And it doesn't mean you get it automatically. So this is one, this was like the, the very last experiment I mentioned in the book, which is that once I made the pendant, I still didn't understand one of the fundamental aspects of it. And that was, I thought if you handed it to somebody, it would untwist them, untwist their spine or the, the cranial bones and the hips. Not true. Because I would hand people my pendant and it would not cause the alignment. But if I touched them or handed it to them with the purpose, with the intention of causing that alignment, it worked immediately. So a couple days ago, I was at the dentist and the dental hygienist and the dentist was there and her husband, the dentist's husband. And I, uh, I demonstrated to them that I could untwist them by touching them with my pendant. And then when it came to aligning her husband, he was off by a mile. It's really easy to see, you know, one side's really higher than the other. So I handed her the pendant and I said, all right, I want you to touch him with the intention of aligning him. Now, she knows nothing about my work. She knows nothing really about me or anything, but she said, where do I touch him? I said, I don't know, just the shoulder, anywhere you like. So she takes the pendant. You can see she's concentrating a little bit and she just touches him. And then I said, okay, measure now. I didn't even want to touch him. And so bam, totally level. Because the trigger mechanism is the intention. That's what makes it work. It's holding hundreds or thousands of different intentions. But what's the trigger? And so when somebody, so for instance, if I say, okay, what's the energy and essence of gratitude? And I touch myself with a pendant. Ah, I get this, I can get a wave of that gratitude. What's the energy and essence of deep inner peace? And I have the intention. So you trigger this thing. It's actually not going to do anything if you just have it. But if you use it, it becomes much more powerful. 
So this is one of the great mysteries to me is why does this work? Why is this triggered by intention? Now, I can't even begin to explain it, but I can describe what I've seen. Well, that is so fascinating. And again, the uh, uh, uses of this and the implications of this are so vast and beautiful. We know then, you know, this goes to validate and uh, justify the New Earth Unity Meditations, when people get into groups and they do meditations and that power. And so now it's with that pendant. That's really cool. I've got so many ideas that how that could be used. And, you know, it it brings up when we look at the Vedics and the, the Hindu traditions, you know, you write on a piece of paper and you burn that paper. If some, if you want to release something, I find that that is validated by this experience. When you write something down, it's your consciousness. It's the energy, that old energy that you want to release. You write it down on the paper and then they state shift it. They burn it. Yeah, that's, that's really true. Especially if you wrote on the paper with the intention that I'm going to take all of this emotion and I'm going to leave it on the paper. Uh-huh. So I I teach a workshop I call self-created health, teaching people to find and release emotional causes. And one of the things that you need to do when you're releasing anger, especially, is you need to spend the emotion. Like you're spending money. You can't just I'm gonna wave it around and then I'm gonna tuck it back in my pocket again. Like I I got this money, and I'm just gonna look how much money I have and then put it back in your pocket. That doesn't spend it. You have to put it down on the table and spend it. And so what you're describing of burning the paper is spending. You're really having to take all that emotion and really put it into the paper. And then with intent, not just the act of burning it, but with the intention of burning it, you light it and then watch it go up in ashes and smoke. Okay. Very interesting. And I know that it can also be reversed where we want to manifest something and you can pour that into that paper and then burn that paper. I hadn't ever tried, you know, a manifestation to burning, but it's a good idea because ultimately you want to hold a thought form with impeccability and then let it go. Um, I knew a man years ago who was quite the magician himself, uh, way more advanced than I've ever been in my life. And he said to me one day, he said, Richard, would you like to see me do a work of magic? And I said, sure. So he sits, we're at a coffee shop and he's taking a couple breaths and he goes, mm, okay, it's done. And I said, what'd you do? He said, I moved an atom. I said, what do you mean you moved an atom? He said, well, it doesn't take a lot of energy to make something happen. And I said, well, what did you want? He said, you know me. He said, I have lots of money, but I like to get things inexpensively. It's kind of a, ho- it's kind of a hobby or a game I play. So he wanted to get like a beautiful brand new champion juicer really cheap. So that was the program he put out didn't really matter to him so he didn't have a lot of energy behind it i said what do you mean by moving an atom he said if you had a little ball bearing and you were out in space and you tossed the ball bearing 
how far is it going to go? So it'll go forever. He said, yes, because there's no resistance. He said, what I did was I just had a little tiny desire and I gave it a little push and then I let it go. I went into a state of oneness where I have no resistance and I'm not going to look at it again. I'm not going to interfere with it. I'm just going to let it keep going. So, all right, that's interesting. So about two or three days later, we were driving and he said, oh, here's a garage sale. Why don't you stop over here? <laughs> we stop. The garage sale is going on and um, we, he looks around and he says, oh, uh, how much is this champion juicer? It's like a new champion juicer. They said, how's $20? He goes, that's fine. And he gives him $20 and takes the juicer. And then about a mile down the road, he said, oh, here's another garage sale. Let's stop here. And they, oh, look, you have a champion juicer. He said, uh, how much would you like for it? They said, 25. He said, oh, I already have one. And and we went further, and they had another champion juicer. How much is this one? He said, $40. He said, oh, I've already got one. And he said, he hasn't figured it out. But when he does works of magic, he always gets multiples. He never just gets one. He always he always finds multiple. So he wants to find a rare part for a rare motorcycle, and then he sees a whole bunch of them. So that was his thing. But it was fascinating that thought forms can be placed without resistance and then have an easy manifestation. I just recently spoke with someone who said he was in a state of no resistance, no tension, and he was meditating at night in his bedroom and his wife saw the room illumined. Nice. So that's really quite amazing. And you're touching on that. All right. So this brings up an interesting point then. And we don't have to talk too much about it because, well, actually, you know, we on the side of um, the healing, when we talk about entities and thought forms that could come in, and when we talk about the intention of programming these objects, Yes. There's there's probably a whole field of unconscious activating and sending out energy. And that's I know people always uh, will try to clear themselves of other people's energy. But maybe you want to speak a little bit about that, the, the, that people may not even know that they're doing that or being part of that. Yes. It's a really important point. Um, it turns out that we have many cross currents going on within us all the time and cross currents going on within us all the time. And I found out that there's a way to discover the emotional causes of reality creation, health relationships or health. It took me 30 years to figure this out, but I call it self-created health. I woke up in 1980 with severe flu symptoms, deep gurgling chest cough, fever, sore throat, the works. And I found out what I was actually upset about. And I left, I intentionally searched for it. I found it. It was a humiliating experience a few days previously. And I let myself feel it. And all of a sudden, my numbness disappeared and I had access to my emotions and I got angry and I cried a little bit and I just vented, took a shower, got dressed. An hour later, I'm sitting in the sun drinking coffee thinking, oh my God, I was sick this morning. All the symptoms were completely gone. And uh, then it took me 
a full 30 years to figure out the other steps of the process. The second step was obvious. I knew that right away. It was the release of the intensity of the emotions. The third and three through seven steps, that's what took me the long time to figure out. The third step is dangerous if you didn't do the first two steps. So if people don't know what the emotional cause is, trying to take responsibility is self-destructive because that's self-flagellation. I know I'm responsible. I don't know why I did it, but I'm just going to beat myself up. That's called blaming the victim. That's terrible. So the third step is realizing, yes, everything about my symptoms had to do with dad beating me up. Okay. But I've been beating myself up ever since. And I'm doing it to others. Oh, wow. I've really hurt myself. I've hurt other people I love. Oh, I get it. And then that leads to tremendous remorse. Healthy. Guilt is not remorse. Guilt is suppressed anger in a form you feel you have no right to express. But remorse is where you're, you're really feeling the impact of your, of your actions and you care enough to not do it anymore. That's remorse. It's a very responsible vibration as opposed to guilt, which has no responsibility around it whatsoever. So the remorse leads to a sense of uh, being unforgivable, which is fantastic. Because now the bow has been pulled back so far when you release that arrow of self-forgiveness, it goes forever. And it turns into overwhelming self-love. It turns into uncontainable self-love, like I was describing earlier. And, oh, by the way, all the symptoms disappear. The body has the ability to be sick, not as a dysfunction, but a communication from our own higher consciousness on how we stop loving. That when you get that complete shift of paradigm, that the body had the ability to express this condition, and when you let that in deeply, you realize that the orchestration, that the unfathomable orchestration of all the aspects of the symptoms and the things that it kept you from doing and the things that interfered and the, all the judgments and all the metaphors were a perfect mirror of what you didn't want to feel. And then you realize, oh my God, we're living in the most unfathomable synchronous universe of love. And we thought that this arthritis was a punishment from the devil, but no, it was a gift from your own higher consciousness. Say, no, you have a higher priority. Your higher priority is to love and connection, and that is the priority. But we want to take the medicine to cover up, to mask the symptom. It's like putting a you know tape over the oil light. Oh, I guess that handled that problem. Oil light's flashing at you not flashing anymore. Just cut out the light. We'll surgically remove it. It's silly because it's not dealing with the cause. And the cause is spiritual. It's emotional. And you have determined that in every situation. It's, it, and it comes down to love. And our bodies are showing us that. <clears throat> I've spoken as well to people who, spiritual teachers who say that, yes, it is 
our body showing us. And so when you have, uh, like right now, there's a flu going around, but that's because people are opening to this love. If they're able to go into it, sit well, with it, analyze it, look at it, release it into forgiveness I, and love. I think, I think that we're living in a time where the social political scene has gotten so polarized. Yes. And the pain of having uh, a leader who is uh, obviously lost in self-importance and self-pity, who is threatening all kinds of things and being hateful at the same time, this, this is causing a lot of people to feel a lot of emotion mm. that they have no place to put. And so when people suppress the emotion, then the body expresses that grief, that suffering, that anger, that rage, that hurt, that sadness, all those kinds of emotions mm. get stuffed. And then when people stuff their emotions, that's when they tend to get sick. And, and feeling powerless in the face of crazy is is very challenging for a lot of people. I think the polls say two thirds, you know, people give our president a D or an F right now. So there's a lot of upset people, and the people who don't see that are are living in a different reality. And then there's this upset. Well, why can't we all see the same picture? Why can't we all see the insanity of the moment? So I think that's a lot of reason that people would be getting. Uh, sick is because there's a lot of emotional upset going on that isn't being expressed. We live in a culture where people want to be nice and cheerful. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? But there's no models in the movies for having self-actualized anger or rage or deep hurt. There's redemption through violence in movies and there's sitcom romance. But to have honest, self-actualized, hello, vulnerable emotional expression, it doesn't, it doesn't exist for the most part. I think some very rare movies actually have scenes where people are, are really honest and vulnerable and self-actualized in their expression. But it's not common. There's a new media coming, so stay tuned. Yeah. What I love there about that is that, uh, you know, yeah, so this is going around, and it's interesting. I saw, you know, you can say you started to see, like, a cold come in last summer, and that's, you know, after a year, six months of, a, you know, of this situation where people are getting kind of agitated. I am forever optimistic and my, one of my missions is to really inspire people to channel that into new earth creations and solutions. So I think we're going to be seeing some of that come through and what you, what you say in your self healing, self created health is that you are actually thankful for that illness because it did show you a, a great self love where you were not loving yourself. And that is only after you did all the steps. It doesn't come early. No. Um, nobody likes the condition. Nobody's happy to have the condition. 
Nobody wants to be hit by a truck. Nobody wants these things to occur. However, when they have happened and when a person is ready to look and examine and heal the emotions, that's when they'll find it, but not before. Because when something terrible happens, the, the most important thing to do is to be compassionate and to, to deal with the pain and the suffering. But when a person is ready to explore the responsibility of the issue, okay, then we can go there and then we can find what's at cause. And um, so, so it has to be a compassionate process. And so, you know, often we tend to, you know, maybe look around and be fearful of germs from someone else who might be sick or the news will come up and you'll catch an article that says, oh, the flu season is crazy. And you can feel the energy in that. What do you do personally then? I mean, you do take it as an opportunity to look at yourself. And I guess you still come down with the occasional cold and sniffles. Um, I think I had my first cold uh, in about nine years, just a few days ago. And what anger were you? Or no, what were you? What emotions? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been going through a lot of emotion. And what was happening for me was I was debating, well, this, this is a little personal, but I don't mind. Um, I had been feeling like this intense frustration that I know something that the world would benefit knowing. And I've been doing these shows, like a whole lot of interview shows, and I hadn't seen it moving the needle in my book sales or the amount of people interested in learning energy healing or anything. Mm. And I, I got really frustrated and thought, well, why am I doing this? If I'm not having any impact, then maybe I should consider doing something else or, or maybe taking a different approach or and I, I thought, well, maybe I'll just let it go for a while. But that, that didn't feel good when I tried to just let go of my desires to change the dominant belief of the culture. Then I got the cold because that wasn't the right thing for me to do. But I don't want to keep pushing against a wall that isn't moving either. So, you know, the idea is I have this one simple little test. It seems unimportant. But then again, Galileo looked at the phases of Venus and saw that it had phases like the moon. And if you do the math, you can figure the Earth is here, the Venus is there, and the sun's bouncing. You know, you can do the math and figure out that it's true. For Einstein, Einstein used um, gravitational lensing during an eclipse. He predicted that the position of stars would change during a solar eclipse because of gravitational lensing. And it took like 11 years after he predicted this, they finally got themselves to an eclipse, had the careful measurements, and were able to determine that gravitational lensing did, in fact, take place. And that was uh, very challenging, but they did it. And I've got a simple test that's seemingly unimportant, whether I can untwist people. And, and yet I've been pushing and pushing and pushing to try to bring this thing out to the world, and I feel like, you know, I'm walking through mud, like I talked about earlier. So this has been my challenge, is do I hold on to this vision that I know I should bring out there and maintain this level of passion, which I have automatically, 
or just let it go and you know if the world wants it they'll come to me so that's that was uh, a frustration that i went through and then i got my first cold in like a, about a decade just because i i was hitting my own internal wall within myself well everyone on this call is supporting you in your mission you know it is new earth it is a new earth concept it's changing paradigms and i'm going to put the call for all those who this resonates with to please learn this technique you actually have a workshop for us that's available and this is the technique of the spontaneous posture alignment oh cool Right. And so that's really, I think, I think the workshop is the online video workshop, mm -hmm. not not postural alignment so much, although it does cover that briefly. Oh, would that be self-created health? No, no. It is the base. It's the classic the touch video workshop. OK. And that oh. workshop takes people to an entire weekend workshop of quantum touch. And one of the things we do is the alignment, but we use our hands because the advanced stuff is is advanced. And um, this this is something that I feel is a basic human skill that everybody is going to want to know for at least five or ten days of the year. Maybe you don't want to become a practitioner, and I can understand that. But to be able to care for, like, somebody hurts their knee on a vacation and that you have this ability and you spend a couple hours of your time and now the whole vacation is wonderful, that's a basic human skill. There's another thing, too, that... I think I might mention just because it came up for me, which is that the process of running the energy, I'm convinced, affects our aging process. And um, I'm going to be 70 this year. And wow, there's nothing 70 about me. I, I entered a golf tournament last year a senior tournament and they made me pull up my driver's license because they wasn't sure I was 50 <laughs> and, and they wanted to make sure that I was at least 50 to enter the tournament. I won the tournament incidentally. Yeah. You know, I've never done this. <laughs> I won this. <laughs> the silly thing. Anyway, um, the thing was is that we can use this energy for so much more than healing and when, and I actually have a course called the, um, uh, the art of youthing, how to slow, stop and potentially reverse aging. And I haven't, it's not a complete course because I haven't reversed my aging yet. I know I've slowed it, but I don't think I've reversed it yet. So I'm still working on what's the next step, what's the next step. And I will continue reporting it as I make new discoveries. So anyway, that's another thing that's available. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, you know what? So quantum touch is the foundation of yeah. this work, and then it all advances from there. Oh, so beautiful. Really, I, again, call on those who want to learn this to learn it. People do get this, and so hold on there because with the group quantum pendant charging, that's powerful, you again, you are the Galileo of this energy healing. So uh, it's wonderful. And we thank you so much for the work and your tireless efforts to get these teaching out there. It will eventually get into uh, the, let's call it the traditional or mainstream medicine. I'm sure you've got practitioners who are in 
the healing arts of, of me- medicine, doctors, nurses, chiropractors must. Oh yeah. Here's, here's, here's the final thought on that one, which is that I've set a particular goal for everybody, which is that by the year 2040, I would like to see quantum touch researched at every university, yes. utilized in every hospital and taught in every school. So we need a little help to get that happening, but this is the vision taught in every school, yes. utilized in every hospital and researched at every university, because this is a total breakthrough that the world doesn't know about. Well, they do now. So hold on to your hat, Richard Gordon. Kudos to you. Uh, this is new earth and you are bringing forth new earth solutions and information and paradigms. And so that's it. That's, you know, and in this year, as we see the old systems crumble, it's only going to become more important and more popular and mainstream. You are making it normal. It's no longer woo woo. You are validating it. And for that, I thank you from my sacred heart to yours. Thank you so much for being here. As we say goodbye, any last comments? Lauren, thank you so much. I would just remind people that whoever hurt you the most made you feel like your love wasn't valuable and it didn't have any impact. But the truth is your love is more valuable than you could possibly know, and it has tremendous impact. And I would like to close as this from your book, Todo es ilusión. Ah, yes, indeed. That is a beautiful story. You you ran across this fella, and he told you the power of love. It's all love. Everything else is illusion, or everything is illusion. He, he didn't articulate it that well, but he did blow my mind, <laughs> that was for sure. Well, thank you, and we look forward to the next advancements in your work, and we support you. Richard thank Gordon, you so thanks much. so much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you'd like to learn how to use quantum touch in your own life, in the lives of your loved ones, and even in your healing arts practice, we invite you to check out the original online workshop with Richard Gordon in his special offer, available on this website. I'm Loren Gailey. Thank you for watching Quantum Conversations. You can enjoy more audio and video podcasts of the show by visiting Acoustic Health. And now enjoy our original healing conversation with Richard Gordon. Again, check out Richard's special offer available on this webpage. Enjoy the show. continue our discussion on quantum physics and spirituality and our ability to interact with the quantum field, we're going to be talking to a person who was ahead of his time 
and he developed a new hands-on healing technique which is really familiar with many light workers around the planet. My guest is Richard Gordon, the author of Quantum Touch and also Your Healing Hands and the developer of this new hands-on healing technique. Welcome, Richard Gordon, to Healing Conversations. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. So you are really a pioneer in this whole field. You wrote your book years ago. Can you tell us what it was like to come across this healing modality and then really step into your knowingness of bringing it forward? Well, back in 1975, I got introduced to polarity therapy, and it was just thrilling to see that we could do so much with our hands. By 1970, the end of 1978, I met a man named Robert Rasmussen, who showed me a way of amping up the energy so that you could just touch a person and their bones would slide back into alignment. You could bring down inflammation and pain, just accelerate the healing process tremendously. And I developed Quantum Touch, evolved the work, and I actually named it Quantum Touch, evolved it tremendously, and it's now being practiced in over 50 countries around the world with thousands of practitioners and uh, people of all modalities who find that it blends with whatever else they know but empowers what they know so they can do a better job. So when you first came around to your own spiritual awakening to this, how did you know that this is something to assist and help change the world? and that it was something on a quantum level. Can you share your story of your own awakening? Well, the awakening happened over decades, and it continues through today, and it keeps getting more amazing as time goes on. Um, Back when I first learned to run the energy, I was... um, Somebody brought a little rabbit into my house, a little bunny, and it was really cute hopping around everywhere, and... But then I noticed there were these pellets all over the house, so I had to capture the bunny. And I put my hand on the bunny's back, and it was trembling. And when I saw it tremble, I started running the energy. And within moments, the bunny stopped trembling, and then it flipped itself over on its back and stretched out like it was sunning itself on the beach. I could hardly believe my eyes. I have had so many experiences of what people call Miracles, but my my practitioners have too, and they've come up with a new word. Uh, some of them said that they do these healing circles, and when you see miracles on a regular basis, you can't call it a miracle. It's become normal, so they came up with a new word, and they called it a normical. When your life has so many miraculous things happening, but they become normal to you, and I could just recount dozens or hundreds of experiences like this, but I think the one that really attracts my attention right now is that happened about four years ago where I learned that I could work about three to five times faster without even touching people. Mm. And the implications of this are, well, they're they're world-changing. Not to put too fine a point on it, but that's really what it comes down to. And my new book is going to come out on February 12th that'll teach people how to do this. Okay, great. And the name of your new book, Richard? It's called uh, Quantum Touch 2.0, The New Human, Discovering and Becoming. I've got two co-authors who are both PhDs and scientists. Um, The 
founding director of the behavioral science department at the University of Hong Kong called this new book the, probably the most important new publication in the world because we can demonstrate a wide range of new human abilities with this work. Now, we're building on the basic quantum touch, so I'm still really excited for people to read the basic quantum touch book, the quantum touch, the power to heal. But I've got a short summary of the book in about 12 pages in the new book to get people up to speed. If they don't want to read the old one, they can just jump into the new stuff. But for example, at Hong Kong, I demonstrated, I asked, I asked the audience, we did a keynote address there, and I asked the audience, about 450 people, let's get some people up here who have some back issues. So about 15, 17 people just walked up on stage, and I had somebody measure their hips just as a, a marker, something visible that we could see. And he measured all their hips just from behind, and everybody had the right hip high in the back. So I did it out loud. And I said, okay, first what I'm doing standing on stage is I'm looking at everybody on the stage. And now I'm going to merge everybody into one iconic being in my mind. And now I'm going to adjust the sphenoid bone. And it took about four or five seconds to adjust the sphenoid bone, which is a bone behind your nose. Uh, it looks a little bit like a mask or uh, a bat. And I adjusted it, and then I had him measure all the people, the, the guy up there measuring all the people again, and everyone had leveled out. And what's really cool about this particular thing is that when you do this one particular adjustment, it tends to last for the rest of a person's life. And the hips stay balanced forever. But then I did the whole audience simultaneously. Mm -hmm. These are new human abilities that we didn't know we had. And that's what I'm most excited about now is letting the world know that not just that our love is powerful and has impact, but it actually changes the outer world. Here we are talking about quantum physics and our ability to interact with this field and run this energy and move this energy. And you're saying that each one of us has this ability. So let's talk a little bit deeper about this, really what comes down to love energy. For those who may still be new to this, what do you mean by running the energy? You mean... Hey, thank just, you. Yes. I tend to use the term, and I forget that it's, it's one I kind of made up. Uh, running the energy is a combination of using breathing, body awareness, and your love. It's linking the body awareness with the breath and your love, and doing all these things simultaneously to be able to move it in a direction for a purpose of your desire. And we see now that we can work on multiple conditions simultaneously. We can work at any distance. We can work across time and space. You can work in the past or into the future. You can work on many people at once. That We don't know the limits of what's possible. One of my co-authors, a scientist, it took him over 10 years to stop being skeptical about this work. Oh, wow. Start being open to really starting to learn about it. Yeah. And he said, it's as if I've discovered a new human operating system, and now we're discovering all the apps. He says that it's as surprising to him that we have these abilities as suddenly discovered that human beings could fly or breathe underwater. And this is something that actually expands the definition of what it means to be human. <laughs> It does expand, and so how would you describe that definition? Well, we, I, th 
think that it's become clear that there is an empirical secular spirituality that exists. Mm-hmm. That when I'm doing this one little technique out of thousands of things that people can do, we can work inside people's brains, we can do a thousand things we didn't know we could do. But when I'm doing this one little technique, it shows, first off, we're connected. That I'm connected to you, you're connected to me. It shows that our love has impact. But beyond that, when I'm doing this, I've always been visualizing the sphenoid bone incorrectly. I've always imagined that the left side was coming down and the right side was coming up a little bit. And then I finally learned, after doing it for a couple of years, that I'd been doing it wrong. It should have been the other way. I was visualizing it the wrong way. Well, the universe understood my intent used that intent, translated it into the correct movement. So empirically, it shows that there's a benevolent infrastructure of the universe, or some people call it God or whatever, but it's there, and it's not based on faith or a book. It's based on empirical observation that your love is not just an electrochemical reaction in the brain, a sweet sentiment on a greeting card. It is a real force that changes you and changes the outer reality. And when people realize how valuable their love is and that they can actually use their love for physical purposes. Okay, I just got a call recently from one of my instructors, and she's in Scotland. And what, actually a Skype call. And what she told me was she's been using this energy inside people's brains. She said that a man who had been bipolar and hospitalized three times for bipolar, isn't exhibiting any more symptoms of being bipolar. A nine-year-old child who has been receiving the energy from quite a number of people is back in school. He's autistic and he's not causing problems. There's uh, people with body dysmorphic condition who feel the need to constantly get surgery, like, like a Michael Jackson, aren't feeling the need for surgery. She's telling me, and this isn't the first time I've heard it, that a lot of people who are addicted to smoking aren't feeling the need to smoke after receiving healing inside their brains. Another woman told me a few days ago, working inside people's brains, that she visits her dad in a convalescent home on a regular basis, and she works on a lot of these people who are shut in. He said, she said, they don't get out, they don't have any fun. She works on the pleasure center inside their brain, and they just look at her and start smiling and laughing and start feeling that part of themselves lighting up again. When we realize that we, that our love actually affects other people, not just by your behavior, but by as an energy, as an energy that hasn't been defined. And this ultimately is going to change our understandings of physics, chemistry, biology, medicine, psychology, botany, you name it. This not only redefines what we are or expands the definition, this expands on what is possible and what science uh, believes. Science has been holding a strong materialistic perspective for a very, very long time. And what we're working with is what I think is spiritual energy, which cannot be weighed, which cannot be measured, and will not show the mechanism. So it's a real problematic thing 
for the traditional scientists who want to believe that everything has an equation and everything can be weighed and measured. But this will not because it's a spiritual energy. But it's empirically obvious to anybody willing to, in a sense, look through my telescope, as Galileo would say. If you just look, you'll see it. These are basic human skills that anybody can learn, and that's what makes it so exciting. Yes, and it, it seems like it could get a little bit technical if someone is working inside the brain. Uh, so what you know is what? that? Love figures out what to do. Mm, so oh. just the simple intention. Yes, it works off. It works from intent. Like I was doing this phenoid bone wrong the whole time. Mm. I was visualizing it coming down from the left side. It should have come down from the right. It didn't matter. The body intelligence and spiritual intelligence of the universe intervened to make it work correctly. And so we don't have to get it right. If you don't know, I mean, we have a whole section about places to work inside the brain, things you might try. But we also have this caveat at the beginning of a number of chapters saying, hey, if you don't want to work specifically, work generally. You don't have to read this chapter. Skip it. But there's a lot of fascinating stuff in there, and if you know where to go, you can work more specifically. You can throw a hose in the backyard somewhere, and eventually maybe the swimming pool will fill up with water. It's just a little more effective if you throw it in the pool. <laughs> so let's take this to a grander scale because it really is wonderful when we've got the light workers that are listening to this program that are eager to learn this and put it into their lives with their clients or even those who might want to affect our outer reality. Yes. When we're here with, for example, global warming, Yes. This could get many of our hearts very heavy quickly. Yes. But you're saying we can use this. How would you say to use this in each of our, our dreams or our daily spiritual practice to, to stop okay. global warming? Well, this is such a deep and powerful question. It's so dear to my heart, too, and thank you for bringing it up. And it's also an extremely challenging question. I've had some, ex some spiritual experiences lately where I recognize that and, you know, take it how you will, that, that we create the reality that this is all my dream. And so mm -hmm. I've been asking myself, what part of me would dream this terrible thing where half the children on earth are suffering due to war, poverty, or disease, where the oceans are dying, and mm -hmm. you know, just so much pain and suffering mm -hmm. all around. <laughs> and, and so what I've been doing is I've been creating a new process that I haven't taught yet, but I'll just kind of explain it briefly, where I'm willing to feel all the angst and agony in my soul that I can access. And then I use the heart energy, which is the core of the Quantum Touch 2.0. And I send the energy in, and I do a lot of forgiveness. And I think that by changing yourself on the most profound level to dive into the heart of darkness, if you will, and just really find that place within myself that has been generating this pain and suffering. So I can stop all that suffering in my vibration and the immediate vibration around me. Now, of course, when scientists study, this is looking from the outside in the more physical world, when scientists study the impact that our love is real and has impact on the world, then they can start looking at a whole variety of new solutions based around compassion. 
the big problem on Earth has been that we've, since these bald monkeys decided to invent money, and <laughs> we have allowed the sociopaths to take power. The people who have no compassion, remorse, or empathy. The villain of every storybook is a psychopath. They have no compassion, remorse, or empathy. They don't care about their impact on other people. What we need to do is we need to, to get the research done where we actually can demonstrate and show clearly that love is real and it's what we value the most. And we can start looking at society in terms of compassion rather than just greed and taking because that obviously hasn't worked very well. How satisfying would it be for a student in a new kind of university who are working together to find solutions to help the planet and to help each other rather than just seeing how much they can acquire as they're competing against each other. How much greater joy would their lives be filled with if the accumulation of property wasn't the driving force, but it was accessing the depths of your love? Now, here's the coolest thing. When you use these new techniques in the Quantum Touch 2.0, the new human, you actually start building compassion muscles. You start opening your heart chakra bigger than you ever did before. I've had students tell me, I had forgotten I had a heart until I did this. And now we're able to really adore each other in a whole different way. And I've been reminded, I haven't told this in a long time, but it's really funny. There was my business partner, Jennifer. She's a lovely, wonderful person. But we got into some kind of big, angry argument, frustrated with each other. I was very upset. We were in a cafe, and while we were just so angry with each other, I can't even remember what it was about. And right in the middle of the argument, I don't know what I, how it came over me, but I just started sending her heart energy, which is what we use. I'm sending her this energy, and after about 15 seconds, she looks at me and she says, don't think I don't know what you're doing. You're sending me heart energy. And I said, yeah, and you can't stop me. <laughs> And she said, oh, yeah, well, two can play that game. And we started sending each other hard energy in the middle of this fight, and we just broke up laughing, and we we just never got back into the argument again. We just felt so, it was so funny to be angry and loved simultaneously. What I'm saying is that there's new abilities and new possibilities we never dreamed of, and these things are available to us now. We can do these things, and they're really easy. They're really easy. So I encourage people to learn the basic quantum touch, and you can do it just by reading, I think it's Chapter 3 of the new book, or you can really get it in depth by watching a video online, or you can uh, read the book and study it or take a class from a live instructor. These are all great things. Or you can just jump ahead and start doing the 2.0, but it grounds you better with the breathing and body awareness exercises because there's many more than I put into the into the QT2 book. I just wanted to give people a head start where they could start doing it immediately. I, By the way, I hate books that get you all excited about something but don't teach you. I don't I don't play that game. I give you all the information directly and make it available. I want to share a quick story that is testimony to this healing technique and testimony that anyone can do it. Over a year ago, our dog, and he's, he's 14. He was 14 at the time. He's 15 now. 
he started walking sideways and it was not a good scene that morning and my husband and I thought for sure we were going to have to put him down and my yeah. my son 10 years old at the time was devastated so much that he stayed home from school to be with this dog and I had an errand I went and ran out when I left I gave my son a copy of Quantum Touch and just told him to read it mm -hmm. and when I came home the dog was completely different and my son said that he just sat there with the with Cooper and sent him love that he learned yeah. about in this book Exactly. And the dog is still with us today. You know, uh, that is such a brilliant story. And I love that thing. And, you know, we've heard hundreds and thousands and thousands of stories. And one is better than the next. And the next is better than the next. And you go, oh, my God, that's just so beautiful. I've had children taking the classes who so inspire me because... They connect with their ability to share the love, and they do it. And sure enough, they get the results. And it's it's just so inspiring for them to see that they're not helpless and that they can do powerful, valuable healing work. We see the signs, love heals, and this yeah. is really your proof of it. So let's talk a little bit about any of the skeptics out there, like your partner, who it took him a decade uh, to realize yeah. this. Well, uh, actually, it just took him a decade to start being open. He didn't. He didn't accept it. It. It then took him. Then he. He just started following me around. I'd be in a cafe. Somebody'd have some pain. I'd just meditate or touch them or something, and it would disappear over and over again. Then he took me to this conference called the Bill Conference. It happens just like a few blocks away from the TED Conference. And anybody can get up on stage. So I walked up there, and I had a sign that said, Quantum Theory is Incomplete, Free Demo. And I said, is there a chiropractor in the house? And a woman comes up, and I do my little demonstration of adjusting posture. And he just saw me working without a net over and over again. And it seemed like every single time I tried to do something, it worked. So he finally took the plunge and started doing it. And finally, he came up with a new comment, and he said, the thing he likes most about this work is that it works even when he knows it won't. Hmm. Yeah, even when he's, he's so skeptical and sure that nothing could possibly happen, and it works anyway. And so what would you recommend for people who are out there who are facing their own health issues and they are looking at something like this for either themselves or their yep. family members? Do other people have to be... You said open to it. No, no. Uh, it works wonderfully well on skeptics because your belief has no part. Well, it's no part. It's a small part. It doesn't have a significant part of the healing. Now, with a lot of other techniques, you've got to believe it and trust it and all that kind of stuff. But we don't go there. Mm. Uh, faith, as Mark Twain said, faith is believing something you know just ain't so. And I'm not asking people to believe anything. I'm just asking them to try it. As Galileo said, Hey, just look through the telescope and tell me if you don't see moons around Jupiter, right? It's, it's empirically obvious when you actually take the time. What I recommend for people is that they open themselves up to either uh, reading the book, taking a workshop live or, on, or online, especially with friends or loved ones. Because when you do that, you've got partners you can trade sessions with. And if you don't have anybody like that in your life who's open to this, when you take a live class, what happens is 
you meet lots of people in the class and you are able to share with them. But I should also tell you something else, that the energy work is effective only about 90% of the time because there will be situations where the energy is not enough. Because just, just off the top, I do not like to exaggerate or underplay anything. I want to play it right down the middle. And what we see is that about 10% of the time, maybe a little less, you'll either get a partial result or the result won't last very long. And in those cases, I have a whole other technique that I've been developing. It's called self-created health, and it teaches people how to find and release the emotional causes. And when you release the emotional cause, not only do symptoms go away, but people feel grateful for having had the condition because it showed how they'd stopped loving. We take it all the way from a unique discovery process where people get exactly what the issue is to the release, the insights, the remorse, and then the forgiveness. And then the forgiveness opens to self-love, and the self-love becomes overwhelming. It becomes uh, unfathomable level of self-love. You can't contain it, and that becomes love of higher self. So we take it all the way from suffering into intense, overwhelming self-love, and that is called self-created health. And that works. That's probably my most profound discovery, and that will be the subject of another book that will come out a little over a year from now probably. So don't hold your breath on that one. But there are live workshops that people can take or online workshops, teleseminars, where people can study this and learn how to use it for themselves and others. What I find fascinating is you called it the breathing awareness exercise. And that's really what ancient wisdom knew. Mm-hmm. So this is really, would you call this ancient wisdom returning or something completely new? I would say it's a lost, forgotten, or new ability to be able to focus the... I mean, I'm sure people have come up with it, but for some reason, we just don't know. It wasn't publicized, it wasn't marketed properly. But we're using body awareness and breathing, and we're linking those together with our love. And by doing that, we're able to, to see phenomena that are just unknown. And that's the most exciting thing about it. Let's talk more about the heart energy, because on this series we've heard from Daniel Winter, who talks about oh, yeah. heart coherence and how yeah. we are, just that feeling, that, that group, that love feeling as well, actually generates this electromagnetic field. What can you determine is going on? The electromagnetic field is the shadow. It isn't, it isn't you know, it isn't the sun, it's the shadow of the energy. Because electromagnetism falls off with distance. The further you get away, it falls off square to the distance of the source. So the further you are from it, the less there is. So that would suggest that your love is going to be really powerful if your chest is pressed up against their chest, but not very powerful if you're across the room from each other. And certainly the love has no impact if you're in New York and they're in Chicago right? Mm -hmm. Because the field isn't that big. Well, what we're seeing is it has nothing to do with the electromagnetic field. It has to do with the impact of a spiritual energy called love. The field is the shadow. The field is the outer physical manifestation. But it it isn't the story. The story is that I can send energy to someone across the world and they will feel it now. So for instance, 
you can demonstrate this work quite effectively and, and distances of no, no issue whatsoever. So it isn't electromagnetic. But the heart energy is a spiritual energy. It's part of who and what we really are, not who we've led, been led to believe that we are. It's our connection to our higher consciousness, to our higher self. And we are not machines. So it's very funny because the most of the futurists today are of the Ray Kurzweil school of believing that one day we'll be able to transfer our consciousness to a machine. And then you have physical immortality. You can upload or download your consciousness to a big computer or something. Hmm. And to me, that's just childish. It's silly. Yeah. <laughs> because we, you know, even a mosquito is born with desires and, and a pro it has... Um, it has motivation, it has intent, but a computer has none. You can give it a program, like HAL in 2001, but it can just as easily turn off your life support as it can adjust the lighting. So what we see is that we can demonstrate a new future because we can show that materiality is only a small part of who we are. Because to be able to just do something simple like adjust posture without touching clearly shows that we are not just mechanical beings. We are spiritual beings. And whether anybody wants to put a religious twist on that, that's okay. Or not, that's okay too. But the main thing is, is to realize how precious and how valuable everyone's love is. And not just as some theoretical, spiritual happy talk, but as something tangibly valuable. People can go into hospitals or clinics or work with loved ones or pets or animals or plants or work across time and space. Okay, I'll, t I'll tell you a good one. I, I had this little kitten. I named her Debbie. And she was a rescue kitten, and she was very desperate when I took her home. She was crawling all over me all the time, just couldn't get enough affection. So... I thought about it. At, by the time she was six months old, it was getting really old. And I thought about it, and I thought, wait, let me do a healing on her past. So I went into a meditation, and I saw her as a little kitten being breastfed, and then I saw that she had been taken away, and she was getting bottle fed. And I said, well, you don't want that. And I just lifted her up and gave her back to Mommy and said, here, finish your childhood here. And I just ran energy into it as if I was working on somebody's back pain or any other pain. I just sent love. Way, the way we learn to amplify the heart chakra, the way we learn to amplify the energy. And I did that. And when I came home, much to my surprise, she was sitting comfortably 20 feet away from me, just happy as could be. Later on that evening, she came and joined me on the other side of the couch. And then toward the end of the evening, she decided she wanted a little bit of physical affection, and she climbed on my lap. But it wasn't, she's never been needy since then. And sometimes she goes through three or four days where I don't even hardly see her, and other times she becomes a lap cat. But it's her choice. It's not out of desperation anymore. Very interesting. So we know that there's workshops that people can take to really learn this. Is there a way that you could lead us through maybe a few-minute process or meditation yeah. that gets us into that space so that we can begin to work with it and amp up that heart energy? 
Well, let's, let's start by just getting body awareness because that's where it begins. So what I'd say for body awareness is put all your awareness into a finger. Just look at a finger and give it all your attention. See if you can feel how the skin wraps around the finger. See if you can feel the blood pulsing through your finger. And then see if you can feel how the bones are inside the finger. And then the tendons that allow you to move your finger. Now, feel your fingernail and see if you can feel underneath your fingernail. And as you do that, see if you can imagine that you have a little feather and you're stroking your finger in different parts with a feather and see if you can feel where you're stroking yourself with a feather. Now, look at your finger and continue breathing through your finger and see what you feel. Is there some tingling or vibrating or buzzing or, or, or some sensation? And if you're able to generate sensation, that's how we work. We work by building sensation with attention. We use intention and attention to focus and amplify our awareness. And then we learn to also bring our love into the picture. And so what we do, and this, I want people to, to start from the beginning to get really good, but we are able to do that throughout our whole body. We get our whole body buzzing and tingling. And then we learn to move the energy through our body in specific waves, combining it with breathing. And that's how we do the basic quantum touch. And then we build on that, and then we're able to work directly from the heart. And that's how, it, and that's how we do it. Thank you for that. Again, it is just amazing what quantum physics is proving that with our intention and attention, we really can change the world in our outer reality. It is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. It, it's so amazing. And the, the quantum physicists are showing that, that the world is really much more mysterious than we could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. And now we've taken the mystery to another step because it's not just the physics, it's the consciousness. Consciousness and love has what's been missing from our understanding of the physics. They have removed our love and consciousness from the physics. And now we have a clear way to demonstrate, oops, well, you, you, you skipped something. <laughs> There's another piece here that you need to know about. And so when you look at the future, what do you see for medicine and bridging the Western medical field with more of this type of work? It just depends on how quickly or slowly it's adopted. That's really what it comes down to. Mm. Ultimately, if this makes news and it gets reported widely, and it becomes controversial and then properly researched, I really see that this could change everything. You know, when I was working with Dr. Norman Sheely, he was the founding president of the American Holistic Medical Association, he wanted to know how this could affect his patients with the the most difficult chronic pain, 
Now, there's people with 20 and 30 years of constant pain who had never been helped by any traditional alternative therapy. And we gave them group sessions. And every one of the people had between the 30 and 70% lasting reduction of pain. And he got so excited, he said something that relates to your question. He said, I want to see group quantum touch sessions given 24-7 to everybody in critical care. And I thought, oh, my God, when that happens, it's going to look like Star Trek science fiction because we never knew that we could actually make these kind of changes. It's, it's, going to, it's going to be so exciting. I really see a future down the road where we recognize that our love is valuable and has impact. And maybe, just maybe, and I don't know if this is true, so I'm just going to give you my own speculation. It may be that sociopaths are incapable of doing this work. It may be we actually have a sociopath test. Because the people who don't have compassion, remorse, or empathy, do we really want them running our world to be creating Monsanto genes and to be uh, causing the problems on the planet? And I, th I think most people would agree that you don't want a psychopath you know, running your your uh, your corporation or your uh, higher office in, in politics or your or hire one to be your attorney. You want people with compassion. It may be possible with this work that we will transform all the institutions and we can actually live in a world that we want to live in, a world that is not just sustainable because who wants to just be able to sustain? You want to thrive. We want a world where we can thrive within it. And what I feel like I've been doing is offering tools so people can enter and be able to access these things. Yes, a world that we can thrive in. And when we stop to think about this and become aware that, well, we have let the psychopaths run the world and enslave us in that, so again, more of that work where when we empower ourselves, especially with even beginning to play with energy work like this, it, it builds our confidence. So then we can start to see how we can start to change the world because at first it really does seem like a daunting task even to go through the airports and see the, the scanner machines that take away so many people's rights. Exactly. That's what gets on my mind, and so I know there's so many insults <clears throat> to our there's so many insults to our life and our being and our sustainability, but we have to change ourselves. We have to be the alternative. You know, mm. be the change you want to see," said Gandhi. Mm -hmm. And we have to start somewhere. And being love, exemplifying a higher vibration of love, that is so powerful. And it's a great way to begin. And it's really quite simple, but as you mentioned, as our compassion muscles get stronger, this whole energy flow will get stronger. It really is promising. Well, we have to find the alternatives ourselves, be the alternatives, and then put them out into the world. Because what other choice do we have? What other choice do we have? And I love what you said in your book, Quantum Touch, about how you envision a day when every child will learn to do this healing work in preschool. Yeah. Share a little bit more about that vision. Well, when every child learns to do this, 
And when they continue practicing up through all school, when the schools have been transformed so that it's all about the joy of learning, not the punitive red marks that my papers came back with, mm-hmm. looked like they had some disease on them, but the joy of actually not only learning, but learning about things you're interested in and things that would solve problems. Because when you focus children on the joy of actually being creative and problem solving, their compassion gets tremendous and their joy of it gets tremendous. And if that's what school is about, I think people would have so much fun. And then to be rewarded for this and then create new kinds of universities completely based around the joy and the discovery and the, and the new future and new discoveries and then have a business department that's completely based around the implementation of the best synergy of discovery. So it's not just this one discovery was really good for this or that. You have a synergy of these seven discoveries are really working together most powerfully, and it's going to take only so many billion dollars to implement them on a meaningful scale and to have the money to do that. That we can live in a world of our dreams, but it just requires each person to take as much responsibility to heal the shadow side. Because people, when they behave badly, it's just that their love got tangled in knots. It's not really that they're evil, although people say they're evil. Their love just got tangled up. They're angry, they're hurt, they're wounded, and they're acting out out of the wounding. So the thing is to have love and compassion. Heal yourself of your own woundings. That's where the self-created health becomes most effective, where you heal that pain that never got addressed and release that. So when we are looking at the power of the heart and this new golden age that we're in where it is time for us to live in the heart and come from the heart Mm -hmm. with that highest being in love, how would you recommend that we balance and blend the mind, not really the ego, but the mind with the heart. It's, It's all part of the natural process because when we are doing this work, you're naturally getting to that place where your thinking and your actions become more aligned. But what happens is we get these these wounds that we carry on for long periods of time. And those wounds need to be addressed. And that's why I go to a deeper level with the emotional process work. Because when you can address them directly, then you can heal them directly. So for example, one woman came to one of the self-created health workshops and she had this terrible problem and she was in a lot of pain. I didn't even know what the pain was. She said, oh, I'm in great pain. I said, so we did this process. And she found the emotional cause of the issue. She processed it. And the next morning, she came back and said, oh, I couldn't stop crying. I never felt so much joy in my life. I never felt so connected to my spirituality. She went on and on like that for five minutes. I finally said, well, wow. I said, well, and and for a little humor, why don't you tell the, you know, what was the condition that started all that? She said, well, my shoulder hurt. And everybody laughed because the shoulder was of no interest to her anymore at all. It didn't even have any interest at all. It was all about the love. It was all about the connection. And getting back to the love that we had let go of. 
when you do that emotional healing, the ability to work with the heart energy is expanded. It expanded massively. And that's part of the value of this. It's as if that emotion is a little scar on the heart that keeps it from expanding. You know, it's just, it's just the unfulfilled love. That's what it really comes down to. There was a documentary years ago about this guy called the Iceman who worked for the mob and he would kill people in gruesome ways and do all kinds of horrible things. But in the middle of the interview with some psychotherapist, he was saying, you know, I'm the loneliest man in the world because I know I'll never be loved. And here's Darth Vader going, God, I'm really lonely. You know? mm. <laughs> yes, here's Mr. Evil. And he says, I want love. You know, and how many of us can identify with, you know, acting badly at some point and just really being a cry for love? Or how many children, yeah. you know, have, has that happened to? Yeah. It, we're all in this together. We need to find the parts of ourselves that are crying for love, that are wounded, and do the healing there. And then we're more capable of taking that healing outward to other people. Really great explanation. Richard Gordon on really the state of affairs and where we're moving and the incredible self-healing abilities that we have innately within us. Your website is quantumtouch.com. You've got wonderful programs, and I encourage everyone to check that out. Can you leave us with some parting comments today? Sure. I would say that take a moment and just realize that your love is really valuable. Whatever you think about it, it really is. There's something really special in that love. Everybody's unique flavor of love, like a like the scent of beauty of a flower. Everyone has something really special there. And your love really does matter, and it has impact. And when you learn to access it and utilize it, you can, you can see a different world. It can be a world filled with miracles. And soon to be called normicles. Normicles, exactly. <laughs> One day we'll see that word in the dictionary. How's that for a goal? Yeah, and we'll know that Richard Gordon coined it, so thank you for that. Actually, I didn't. One of my students doing healing circles with friends said, oh. we can't call it a miracle anymore. It happens too regularly. We, we came up with a new word, and they told me. So that's, how it got, <laughs> that's how it got created. Beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing today, Richard Gordon. Thank you for listening, and thank you for dancing with us in our collective intentions as they go across the universe to the cosmic heart. I'd like to thank my wonderful team at AcousticHealth.com, Heidi, Tony, Tom, Pam, Suzanne, and Garner, who assist with the production of Quantum Conversations, online healing retreats, and more. And thank you, too, for listening. If you've enjoyed this program, please share it with your friends and loved ones. And we thank you for shining your magnificent light and adding it to the world. This is when we love ourselves like no one else can. We leave you now with music from the universe. Music literally created by the universe 
as musical notes were assigned to mathematical equations. The result is this beautiful music available at AcousticHealth.com. Namaste.